Hi, this is Timothy Pig, and I want to welcome you to Text Driven Podcast, a podcast put out by the Ministry of Fellowship Church in Southwest Florida. Text Driven Podcast exists to equip you to know God and make Him known through text driven preaching and practice. To learn more about Fellowship Church, visit our website, fellowshipchurch.co. Welcome to another episode of the Text Driven Podcast, where we are trying to provide you with resources that help you to live a text-driven life. In this episode, we're continuing our series through J. Oswald Sanders' book, Spiritual Leadership, Principles of Excellence for Every Believer. And if this is your first time listening to the Text Driven Podcast, go back to some of our previous episodes and Uh, learn about what we mean by text-driven leadership. And if you enjoy this episode, I encourage you to share it on social media as well as like it so that when new episodes come available, you are notified uh, as soon as they are available to you. In this episode, we're going to talk about the cost of leadership. We're going to look at chapter 15 of Sanders' book. How much does leadership cost? If we think in monetary terms, we you might be thinking in the sense of a certificate. Uh, what does it cost to attend a leadership seminar? Uh, how much do I have to pay? What's the financial obligation of leadership? But leadership is something that doesn't necessarily cost you anything monetarily. For in some sense, leadership can be free. It has no cost to it. But it is going to require something of you. And there is a significant value on leadership because of what it will cost. In Sanders' chapter on the cost of leadership, he lists several of the things that leadership will cost you. And the first thing that he deals with is on page 140, and it's the cost of self-sacrifice. He says this, a cross stands in the path of spiritual leadership, and the leader must take it up. For Jesus said in 1 John 3, 16, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. What Sanders is saying there is that the that leadership is going to cost you your very life. Not for your own sake, not so that you reap a reward that's going to be great, but leadership is going to cost you because you're going to be serving other people. At the end of 1 John 3, 16, he says, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 31, Paul declares that he died daily. Even the thesis statement of the gospel of Mark describing the ministry of Jesus says this, whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom 
for many. If you want to be a leader, you need to understand that it's going to cost you your life. Self-sacrifice. What does it mean to sacrifice oneself? How do you know if a person has self-sacrifice and leadership? Well, if you remember when Jesus was resurrected and he appeared before his followers, he demonstrated his sacrifice by showing them the scars in his hands and on his side. Listen to what Sanders says on page 141. Scars are the authenticating marks of faithful discipleship and true spiritual leadership. I'd say this. If you claim to be a leader and you do not have any scars, then you have yet to be self-sacrificing. Paul would say it this way in Galatians 6, 17, For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. When you decide to follow Christ, when you decide to lead others in following the Lord Jesus, it will be at the cost of your own life. If a person can show me their scars, they can show me that they're a spiritual leader. What's the second thing that leadership is going to cost you? It's going to cost you loneliness. Sanders says on page 142, because the leader must always be ahead of his followers, he lives with a particular loneliness. Though he may be friendly, there are areas of life where he must walk alone. Though he may seek counsel and support from others, decisions come back to the leader alone. You think about leadership. It is a lonely place to be. For when it's time to make a decision, all eyes turn to you. In your home, when it's time to tell your family that you're going to lead in a certain direction, the children and your spouse, dads, they're going to look to you for leadership. And it all hinges upon you. It's lonely. Sanders says this on page 143, the loneliest preacher today is the person who has been entrusted with a prophetic message ahead of the times a message that cuts across the temper of the age. If you want to make a lot of friends, if you want to be liked by a lot of people, do not be a leader. Because a leader stands with a prophetic voice and he speaks the word of God into a situation. And when that occurs, he will likely be the only one standing. 2 Timothy 1 verse 15, Paul says, You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me. Bottom of page 143, Sanders says this, The leader must be a person who, while welcoming the friendship and support of all who offer it, has sufficient inner resources to stand alone, even in the face of stiff opposition, to have, no one but God. 
leadership is going to cost you loneliness. But then, number three, leadership is going to also cost you fatigue. On page 144, Sanders talks about the weariness of a leader. How being a leader is going to make you tired and exhausted. There are many people who think they want to be leaders until they realize how long the days are, how wearisome the task, and how tiresome they'll be. Sanders says on page 144, the demands of leadership wear down the most robust person, but Christians know where to find renewal. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Though you might be weary, and though you might be worn, you can be renewed by the work of God within you. But understand, leadership is going to cost you fatigue. Leadership is also going to cost you criticism. To be a leader is to be able to receive criticism. Now, there are two types of criticism, and we all know this. There's what's called constructive criticism, and there's destructive criticism. If you're a leader, you're likely going to receive both. But if the scales were to show which one is going to happen more often, it's going to be destructive criticism. For everyone who you are leading is always going to have a better way for how you ought to be doing your leadership. From any person that is before you, they will always offer their advice about how you ought to change this criticism. Page 145, Sanders says this, No leader lives a day without criticism. And humility will never be more on trial than when criticism comes. Isn't that true? When someone criticizes the way you're doing something, isn't it a shot at the strength of your humility? Because normally when criticism comes, what do we want to do? Puff out our chest and become proud and arrogant and defend ourselves. Instead of listening even to the most destructive criticism and hearing how we can grow. Listen to this paragraph that Sanders gives us on page 145. He says, Samuel Bringle, noted for his sense of holiness, felt the heat of caustic criticism. That's uh, destructive criticism. Instead of rushing to defend himself, he replied, from my heart, I thank you for your rebuke. I think I deserved it. Will you, my friend, remember me in prayer? When another critic attacked his spiritual eye, Bringle replied, I thank you for your criticism of my life. It set me to self-examination and heart-searching and prayer, which always leads me into a deeper sense of my utter dependence on Jesus for holiness of heart and into sweeter fellowship with him. Now, aren't those two really good responses to criticism? If you're going to be a text-driven leader, you need to learn how to hear criticism 
You need to learn how to direct that criticism in such a way that you're able to evaluate yourself, but also lead the person who's criticizing you. And notice how in this example, Sanders shows us that the way you lead a person who is critical is by encouraging them to pray and thanking them for drawing you closer to Jesus. For that is how Sanders says you take criticism from being a curse and you turn it into being a blessing. That's how you take criticism, which could be a liability, and turn it into an asset. The next thing that leadership will cost you is rejection. On page 146, Sanders says this, the leader who follows high spiritual standards may find himself following his master on the pathway of rejection. And then he quotes this passage in Mark, for he came to his own and his own received him not. Is there any person who is more acquainted with rejection than Jesus? Well, certainly not. He was rejected by the Jewish people at large. He was rejected by his own town of Nazareth that you can read in the Gospel of Mark. And even more intimate than that, he was rejected by his own earthly family. But we wouldn't say that Jesus was a failure at leadership. No. His reasoning for being rejected was in part because of his leadership. So if you're going to be a text-driven leader, you need to understand that, that rejection is just going to be commonplace. People are going to reject you. And don't fret about that. Don't worry about that. For they also rejected your master, King Jesus. Another thing that leadership is going to cost you is pressure and perplexity. One of the paradoxes of leadership is this. The more you lead, the easier you think it's going to be. The more people that are under your responsibility, the more people that you are helping, the more people that you are serving, the more people that, that work for you, the paradox is that makes life easier. But in reality, the more you lead, the more difficult it actually becomes. Why is that? I think Sanders brings out an interesting point on page 147. He says that God treats the mature leader as a mature adult, leaving more and more to his or her spiritual discernment and giving fewer bits of tangible guidance than in earlier years. Now, that makes sense, doesn't it? The younger you are, the easier it is. For when you were a kid, your parents put before you the food that you were to eat. You didn't have a choice in the matter. But the older you get, the more choices you have. And the more you have to exercise discernment and wisdom. Well, the same is true in leadership. As you mature as a spiritual adult, 
and you find yourself in a leadership position, the more you have to exercise wisdom, the more you have to exercise uh, discernment. And that can only be done through the fear of the Lord. Now, let me issue a warning here. Often leaders who have matured in leadership will find themselves in a quandary. And here's the quandary. They do not know how to discern the next task. They do not know how to use wisdom. And because of that, they turn from listening to God in his word to listening to man. And they become more fearful of what man thinks about their leading than how faithful they're being to the word of God. When a person becomes more fearful of man than he is faithful to the word, he will find him failing as a leader. Now, what's the final aspect of leadership that will cost you? And I'm glad Sanders brings this out on page 148. Leadership is going to have a cost to others. If you're in a place of leadership, it's not just going to cost you certain things. It's not just going to cost you pressure and perplexity and rejection and criticism and fatigue, loneliness and sacrifice. Leadership is also going to cost you those close to you. For in leading, those in your home will also struggle. Those in your home will also go through difficulty. Why? Because we are imperfect as leaders, and sometimes we don't balance life like we should. Or sometimes the demands of those we're leading means that we need to attend to them, and that can often happen at the expense of spending time with our spouse or with our kids. Therefore, it's going to cost your family. So before you take any type of leadership role, before you do any type of leadership in your job, any type of promotion that's going to take more responsibility, before you take any type of additional position or role in your church, let me encourage you to examine how it's going to cost those closest to you. Yes, it might seem great at first to have more money as a paycheck. And yes, it might seem great to have your name on a plaque and at the top of an organizational chart and to be recognized and revered. But if your family's not on board, it is better to stay faithful where you are than to fall from a place of leadership.
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Text Driven Podcast. For more resources like this one, go to our website, www.fellowshipchurch.co. If you're ever in the Southwest Florida area, I'd love for you to join us at Fellowship Church on the Lord's Day. For the times and locations of our worship services, you can find those on our website. Until next time, know that we're praying for you to live a text-driven life. God bless.